You get your water? Yeah, I got it. Right, you got your tumbler? What's in the tumbler? That's my coffee, dude. Uh, I'm a travel mug. It's a travel mug. Well, do you want to do a show? Uh, if you think I can do the show and hang on to my travel mug at the I same do. time. I'm a little worried because I've, you know, I clean up down here quite a bit, and I don't want to have to clean up the wrong kind of mess. I did step with some dog shit yesterday. Ooh. Here's the thing. Oh, man. Here is the thing that bothers me about pets. Children, too, to an extent, but mostly pets. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. When they take shits or they vomit, it's always in a travel path. It's always somewhere that you use frequently. And I don't know if that's intentional, like they want you to clean it up. Because I'm trying to figure out like, if animals even clear, care. I know outside they do because they don't want to be tracked by, by natural predators. But in the house, like I can't tell you how many times dog shit, cat shit, and vomit has squeezed between my bare toes in the morning. And it fucking wrecks the day. It is a... It is a setup to the day that is just. I ah! I would like to. Uh, 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 Sorry, I uh, uh, yeah, I we, pulled headphones we, in we, during we during my anger. We can't really move around a lot here. No, I, I, I I just have to switch. I think they. I do just th- want to stay near the sound so I can keep keep playing the Thank song. Thank God. I uh, I think they do that on purpose, and I think that you would prefer that to them puking and shitting where you didn't know it was happening, and then after like three weeks, being like, "Why does my house?" smell like the inside of a cat's lower intestine. And do you know where you get that? Speaking of the kids. So when kids are babies and they have bottles, they lose them. And there's still milk in them. Oh. And formula in them. Lose bottles, really? Yeah, because, you know, kids... (coughs) Just like any human being, when you first don't know shit, you're just like... Thank you. And they just, once they start out to walk or wander. Oh, I see. So I'm, I'm thinking like you're feeding them the bottle and then they, they roll it Well, when they're, the couch when they're a little bit. Like, oh, well, it's lost. Well, and they'll take it and, you know, sippy cups, anything that's got like any type of dairy product in it. And they'll literally, they're, you know, when you see people at, uh, at Best Buy or <clears throat> Toys R Us, Rest in Peace or Target or Walmart, and they'll open up their boxes and just leave them out. Like they'll buy something and they open boxes in the parking lot and they put stuff in their car and they leave and basically you clean that up. That that's that stems never, from. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh my god! Start paying attention. Start going to well, Costco. No. Uh, any of those any of those parking lots, and you'll yeah. see it. You'll see unopened or opened boxes of stuff where people are like, maybe they couldn't get in their car. But it's one of my pet peeves. Like, I don't give a fuck. You do it. Throw it in the goddamn. Yeah, trash. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do that. Just clean up after yourself. That's but all. But that's what that's that's like having. That's an adult version of a little child that's like, I am so done with this sippy cup, whoop, yep. and they and just, just throw it. it. They yeah. just throw it because they don't know any better. They haven't been socialized. Like, this, that's not what you do. And so when you watch them do it, it's pretty hilarious. It's the when you don't catch them doing it, that and then you can't hilarious. find it later <laughs> until you're like, you know, I'm trying to, hmm, if we could just not live in this house for a while because <laughs> something burn. is wrong. We have to fumigate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I don't know. I don't know for sure that I did that as a child, like th- through my bottle or anything. But um, I do know that when I was in college, I used to hide uh, bush tall boys. When I was done with them, I would hide them under my friend's couch and all over his apartment, <laughs> just s- simply because his reaction was his. Whenever he was enraged, it was like the funniest thing any of us had ever seen. We at one point somebody had gone hunting and uh, ki- killed a deer. And he had you know would t- turn legally or the yeah, guys no, just no. went out drinking no, no, and no, hunting. No, no, no. This okay. was I wasn't there, but this, in northern Wisconsin, you got to have a license, and it's regulated by the Thanks DNR or whatever. The statute of limitations is over. I, I again, I wasn't there, but but they to be clear, whoever you know killed the deer, gutted it, used the meat, and then there was part of the leg, like part of the deer leg. 
that was just left over, and my friend grabbed it and threw it in, underneath the front seat of my buddy's car. Oh, man. Uh, and, like, it didn't, it's, it's not like it was rotting flesh or anything. It wasn't there that long. Oh, yeah, it's not like it was that. It wasn't there that long. It was still just a pe- dead mean, piece of an animal, but other than you're that. You're like David Spade and Tommy Boy. You see that thing in there? It's not an air freshener. It's a do- rotting dead deer carcass. Um, but, no, but it was, it was like, you know, maybe there are a couple days or whatever over a weekend. And he was rooting around under the seat looking for something, and he found it. And we were all sitting in his apartment. He lived with my buddy Tim, and we were all kind of just sitting in there chilling out. And he comes running in with it, and he is livid, man. He freaks out, throws the thing on the ground. He's like, he screams, it's a fucking hoof! <laughs> and, and I could not. I could not stop laughing. It was the funniest thing. And my buddy Dan still to this day is like, it's a fucking hoof. Like, <laughs> it's, it was so funny. We just, to make this kid enraged was, was the goal, man, every day. And it was so easy. It was so easy. Jason Hicks, if you're out there, buddy. Hey, Jason. Sorry, Jason. Everyone, said, everyone has their thing. Unfortunately, oh, you were the guy that the he tortured was, soul that... Uh, he just took it to heart. He took everything so personal and to heart. And just again, like, but yeah. that's a bad thing. For, <laughs> in youth, with, adult, with, with semi-adult males around that yeah. are looking for a victim at all yeah. times. Yep. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, and he would, he would like make a pile of the beer cans. Okay, I found these in the apartment. I go, oh, that's weird. I hit them. And he'd be like, stop doing that. And be like, nah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, college. What do you want me to do? College was, uh, that was all college. Well, the, the deer hoof should have been a dog ah, treat for somebody. That's a fucking hoof. I'm sure they did and give it to a dog. dog. Sounds like something a dog would chew on some rawhide there. Was there enough, was there enough uh, meat left over and that it dried up and became some venison beef jerky? I don't think, venison jerky? I don't think you just leave that out and then it becomes jerky. I think, I think you that's have to, how like, you do it, isn't it? You, tr- you do I would, put a little salt on it? I don't and... recommend that, no. <laughs> this is not, I don't, I don't take any of Brian's jerky making tips. Anyway, oh. so there's that, there's dog poop, there's baby bottles, there's hoofs. There's fucking hoofs. There's fucking hoofs. Ah, you fucking hoof. <laughs> he's, from, uh, o- he's from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Well, right near the border. Yeah. Right right over there by the Mississippi. Mississippi. I'll be in uh, Rochester. Oh, speaking of that, you guys. Rochester, Minnesota, uh, which is kind of near the border as well. Uh, April 12th and 13th. Okay, so that's a ways away. Goonies Comedy Club. Oh. Still a movie I've never fully seen. So yeah, I think again, I think we've discussed this, but it's like if you saw it when if you saw Goonies when you were a kid, it holds something in in your heart that that is is precious. If you didn't see it as a kid and you're seeing it as an adult, you're just seeing a bunch of idiots, and it's not that fun. You know what I mean? Like if you weren't if you weren't there for the beginning at the beginning of the adventure, like yeah. I'm with, I'm with these kids, then then it just loses a little bit of something. So it's kind of hard to like. I used to say, oh, it's a movie everyone should see. And now I'm like, nah, if you didn't see it when you were younger, there's no real point in seeing it now. No, I mean, I, can, I should watch it now. I think Unfortunately, your kids my, might like it. They've already seen it with oh. the wife. They oh. did it when I wasn't around one time. Did and they so, like, like it? Yeah. And, and so it's just now it's become yet another joke of the fact that I still, I've, I've created a whole other generation, way more amazing than me, I might add, um, that have seen it and I still have not gotten around to seeing it. So, <sighs> But I can't see everything. Okay, that's what, I'm actually struggling with that from a viewing standpoint right now. I, I don't understand certain people. You're, you're, you're not even, I wouldn't even put you in this category. But there are some people that they're like, oh, I saw that. Yeah, I, did. Yeah, I saw that too. I saw, I'm like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. What are you doing in your life? I, I can't, is that, I mean, how, how are these, is, like, is there like a speed reading way to watch this stuff? Like, I don't understand how some people can see everything. They seem to be, unless they're lying to an extent. That they've seen I, don't, it all. I mean, well, I don't know what you gain by, I don't know what you gain by lying. The only thing I can think of is you're mm-hmm. you're not gaining anything 
ex- you're losing sleep because I don't know. There's not enough time in the day between whether let's say you don't have a family. Let's say you don't have a family. You, no you kids. At least work. You do something. Yeah, I mean, if. A nice you, look on your face. You're like thinking of people that we know that like don't even do that. I, I'm thinking of myself. I don't do <laughs> shit right now, and it's like I try to keep myself busy during. But don't the day. you feel bad if you watch? If oh yeah, watch yeah, TV no. All I, the time? I, I, I don't. What I try to do is I try to like literally maintain a, a kind of a work day. Like yeah. even when I'm unemployed, I wake up early. I go to the gym. I help get my wife to work on time. I help you know I make breakfast and all that. And then um, as soon as she leaves, I'll like. I'll take a shower and then I'm I'm ready for the day. Good like, God, yeah, never shower. No, you're married now, so don't shower when she's there. Shower when she's not around. Good call. That's marriage right there. Well, it doesn't. I mean, oh, it matters. Trust me. What do you mean? We're just. This is this is a good this is a good learning lesson. Then I want you to get back to your story. You know, people think that uh, you know we get married. It's it's perfection. It's not. Actually, you get stinkier and grosser around those people, and that's why you stay together. If you can't handle the grossness of like, I'm not gonna like when you first meet somebody, you're always showered, right? And then there's that decline of. Like, oh yeah, no, I I just mean it like you didn't do. You're not doing it intentionally, and I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying it's like I love the fact you're like yeah, you know. Then she leaves, then I shower. It's like that's. I mean, sometimes we shower at the same time. We have two bathrooms, you know. Oh, okay. I was gonna say we don't need to get into that. Anymore. No, but but also okay. I think you're right. I think marriage vows should literally just be. Uh, one question. Hey, can you handle this person at their gassiest? Yeah. And if the answer is barely, then <laughs> you've made it for life as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you can handle your, your significant other's farts and their, their pits and their, you know, and their, you know, Budweiser shits and all that that goes along yeah. with bathrooms, then... Uh, then and then and you know how you good. do that? Everybody, look, if you don't want to sleep with each other before marriage, because that's your thing, I totally get that. I that's don't fine. recommend it. Well, but my point is, if that's what you're doing, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But you have to at least take a trip together somewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, contain yeah. yourselves where, like, everything you do, every decision clings on the other person during that time. You have to just, just a small containment. You've got to take a vacation somewhere where it's not easy, too, right? Like, you have to make decisions. Maybe they speak a foreign language. It's like you have to throw yourself into a situation with them, and then you'll really find out if you guys can handle each other. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think uh, if you, if you, for guys, if you're wondering, like, is this the one? Go to someone you know's wedding together and... Listen to the lies. Not even listen to the lies, just like... (laughs) Get ready for the wedding. And if you can do that in like a small hotel room or a small cabin or whatever, and you can make it to a wedding on time without murdering each other, then you've probably got someone you can, you can handle for uh, at least a half a lifetime. By the way, the big weddings um, uh, crack me up because when everybody gets up and makes speeches, every single one of them is covering up lies. Somewhere in that person's life, they've seen them do some corrupt like stuff that we, you know, because we're, we're rewriting history, right? That's the day. That you rewrite, because oh, yes, no one look. Everyone's always worried about the one best, the one, the one buddy that's going to get up and try to be funny and share information he's not supposed to share. Right? At some point, there's cover up going on. There's he, he would rather tell the other story, but instead he's going to talk about like that when your eyes first met, you guys, I knew it, and I'm oh, so well, happy for I you, and you saved him. All the are. generic bullshit in a wedding. My point is, there's always cover up. People are making speeches. They're glossing over. They're 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 pitching. They're pitching glamour. I, That's I why I think there's a seventy percent divorce rate because there's too much glamour pitched. No, I mean my brother, who is not a public speaker and not a speech writer, and anything else, he's not smart, <laughs> um, uh, prolific. Um, <laughs> 
Now the, now the good stuff. Yeah, but he... He knows how to tie his shoes. But, I mean, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen him do it in a long time, so okay. maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> slip I'm guessing his wife takes care of that while she's tying the kid's shoes. <laughs> but uh, he, gave, he gave a, a really funny and well-written best man speech. Like, I told him, I go, look, man, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk. Because I know it's not his thing. It's completely not his thing. But he, he'd, written, he'd written some stuff out, and I'm sure Pam, his wife, helped him a little bit. But it was, it was, it was, my, it was the, my favorite best man speech I've ever heard. I mean, yes, it was about me. Um, but it was, it was really well done, man. I thought it was, it was legit. And then I've gone to weddings where, like, we had, we had these are the people that are going to speak, and then we're done with the speaking. And then we move on to the dancing and everything. I've been to weddings where people just, it's like an open mic. Like, I was the best man at uh, my friend's, a very good friend of mine, obviously, his wedding. And I, everyone else spoke, and me, just because I understand, like, how to talk into a microphone, how to communicate with people when I'm on a stage, like, I, I went what I thought was last. And gave a great speech. I'm not bragging. I'm not sh- showing off or whatever. But it was Look, a, we all have our moments. It was a good speech. It was a great speech. Everyone, I got laughs. I got people clapping. I got... You know, uh, I was sincere in certain parts. Like, it was, a, it, was a, it was a worthwhile best man speech. And then I'm done. And I'm like, all right, we're Drop done it. with the speeches. Right. And then everyone else, just random people start coming up and grabbing Was there them. a list? And I go, no. And, and I go... And a disgruntled person running it? I go, I go to the guy. I go to my friend. I go, hey, man, uh, what is this? All these people? He goes, oh, yeah, just let whoever wants to talk, talk. It was like 45 minutes of people rambling. And everybody... I'm standing in the back going, why is this happening? And people are just walking up to me going... You should have gone on last. I'm like, I know. I was trying to go on last. Who are all these people? <laughs> but you wouldn't want to sit sat there for 45 minutes waiting to go no, up. No, but I would. But also in, in my end. head, like that's just annoying for the other guests. Like if like I went to a friend's wedding, uh, it was a friend of Nicole's. We went to Big Sur, went to the wedding. Great wedding. I know the guy. You know we've met. We've, we were friends. <clears throat> but then like <clears throat> when the speeches come around, I tune out. I tune out. I mean, I don't know any of the people they're talking about. I don't care. I just want to dance, have a good time, have a couple drinks. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just not, the speeches should be kept short. Well, also, you, that story you just, well, there's a couple things I want to break that story down for a sec. Um, but the story you're telling, this, those people made it about them. When you want to get up, it, you can say, yes, they're telling a story about those other people. But these stories don't all have to be shared publicly. Well, that's true. I you can just that. share them within a small circle. So the minute you want to take over the wedding time, again, it's all part of that pomp and circumstance. I'm not like a big wedding guy. Never have You've been. had two of them, but you're not I've a big two. wedding guy. Well, the first one was bigger. The second one was just right. You Every, know what I mean? Everyone, it's weighed, like, everyone weighed 400 pounds at the first yeah. one. <laughs> the first one was bigger. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's just, it's just, it, that's how shit can spiral out of control very quick. Look, I've seen fist fights at weddings. So I've, I've, seen, I've seen the full... Wow, you are spe- from Wisconsin. That's when I learned my brother was going to be a police officer. Oh, it's the greatest moment. It was the greatest moment. My brother, Joe, retired police officer, put a lot of good years, a good man. He, and this is when we knew he was going to be a good man. Joe believed in, like, the right type of law and order. He wasn't, like, it, he, never, he never took it too far. He was always like, that is not right, and, and this needs to be dealt with, right? That's, that was the kind of, we just knew. And that, and he watched SWAT, the rookies, and policewoman. That was all he was watching <laughs> as a kid. I think he was more interested in that than anything else. But anyway... So there were telltale signs. My, but my point is, so we're at this wedding, and it's the classic semi-white trash moment where, like, 
the ex-boyfriend and a couple of his buddies came in hammered, and they what? were gonna. Why they were was gonna, the ex-boyfriend there, dude? I don't know. I was too young. Like uh, I was, I was idiots. probably like maybe ten, eleven, a- oh, age of wow. my youngest, somewhere else. So my, my memory is a little bit sketchy, but I'll, I'll never forget the moment, right? When that person goes from like when when you know like in Spider Man, like he was just a he was just a teenager, then all of a sudden he's fucking Spider Man. I saw that happen. Like I saw the evolution, right? And so these guys come in, it starts getting a little bit testy, and then there's the, then there's the fight circle, right? Like so, there's a circle, the yelling circle, not the fight circle, but you know what I'm talking about, the yelling circle. Yeah. And somehow or another, my mom oh God. reached in and was trying to pull. He was about to fight the, the boyfriend. She's trying to pull the drunk boyfriend away from the groom, and he swung back, and he just nicked my mom. Now, I didn't... All I saw was just like a... You know that classic, like, when you see like a baseball fight, you don't yeah. really know what's going on can't in the really, middle. You can't really see in Something's there. Yeah. happening, but yeah. you don't know what. You just know there's a lot of yelling, pushing. It's like in, uh, it's like the middle of a head of lettuce. You, uh, there's everything. There's a lot of touching in there, but you can't yes. tell what's going on. And, I just, and it's just a pile, and then my mom was like pulled out immediately, right? There's a pile, and then it all clears, and there's only two people left, and it's my little spindly older brother, Joe, on top of this huge guy with his hands around the guy's neck, and he's got the the big eyes. Like I'm, I, we're moments away from death here. I'm going to kill you. You touch my mother, and like everyone was like nobody for like for one moment, everybody froze because it just it didn't even look right. Yeah, he was half the size of the guy that he had he's down on top of him, and he's and on top of him, winning. and he's got he's definitely got some WWE chokehold on him. <laughs> And it's about to go down. And then eventually, I think somebody came over, like a priest or someone was probably there. <laughs> boys, boys, talk, break, uh, it talk, up, yeah, break it up, yeah, break it up, break it up. Talked no. him down. And I was no, like... let's everyone take your pants off. But that was, a, that was a defining moment where I was like, my brother's cool. Like, you know, like when you have yeah, those moments... Yeah, well, you're 10, like, man. And he was, what, 16? He was three years older than me. Okay, so... That, I mean, that's who took you... Took him down. That's took who down you, the bad guy. You even, like, I'll admit to being a doofus growing up, but my brother still, like, looked up to me. Yeah. You know, you just kind of... That's what you want. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, that was uh, weddings. Weddings are just, it, it, look, you can do whatever you want, but they're always interesting, man. Something's always going to happen. You, yeah, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can scale it down to nothing. Something's still going to happen. Yeah. And you I, can make it I, big. I, something's going to happen. I, and I still, like, I, I, we had, I feel like we had such a fun wedding that I look at other weddings and I'm like, eh, it was okay. You know, you guys did all right, but, like, ours was fun. And, of course, it was because it was about us, like, I'm not an idiot. I know why, <laughs> but like it was, it was smaller. There was there was enough people there that it filled out. But at the same time, I could talk to everybody. It was just, it was it was really it was a nice balance. Like some weddings are way too big. Yeah, there's like hundreds of people. You're like who are all these yeah. fucking people? Yeah. And then some weddings, you're like, okay, it's me, and then the tightest knit family ever. You're like, this is weird. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a fine line. But and lastly, um, in 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 going back to dissecting your original story, when you said. Um, uh, I was the best man, and you're like, at the wedding, of course. And I thought to myself, well, when else would you be calling yourself the no, best so, man? No, sorry. I, I, no, but I, you clarified that you were the best man at a wedding versus, like, when, when else are we calling ourselves the best man? Uh, every day. I wake up. I am the best man. Are you? Yeah. Are you giving speeches wherever you are? Every morning. Guys, I'm up. best man at work today. I got a couple. Uh, I'm going to give I my best man speech. I want to say something about the boss. Uh, <laughs> he's done a really good job. Oh, I'm fired again. Okay. Uh, stop giving speeches at work. Got uh, it. Hey, everybody. I know we're just in line here at Starbucks, but I am the best man in this I'm the line. best man in this Starbucks. Yes, I challenge so. <laughs> anyone to just get a black eye right away. Ow. So I'd like to give a speech about um, our barista. About Caramel Macchiatos. Arbrista Caramel Macchiato. I've been. Which is like a weatherman naming himself after the shit he talks about. That makes no sense. Hi, I'm Carmen Macchiato. (laughs) Um, 
Also, before we uh, bring our guest on, I mm-hmm. wanted to. I'm not. I'm, I'm more about promoting the film festival and and the project. But uh, I've been working on these uh, kind of five minute shorts called from a, a series called My Death Co, where mm-hmm. I play the Grim Reaper. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just uh, the the first episode. It got into the film festival in Chicago that's coming up at the end yeah. of September called the. Uh, Middle Coast Film Festival. All right. It's in the shorts category. And I was recently, yesterday, I just found out I was nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, he is. Are you going? In a comedy short. I cannot go because Uh, it is the same day as Sean Green's wedding. Live via satellite, maybe? (laughs) Also known as FaceTime? He's accepting this award via FaceTime and he's at a wedding. And then I grab the mic from the best man and I start giving my speech about the award. Just bungee cord an an iPad onto someone's face and you can just quickly accept your award. Uh, uh, A bungee cord an iPad to someone's, or just have them hold it? No, bungee cord on their face. Yeah. Or duct tape it to their face whatever yeah, whatever the most yeah, whatever painful. you can de- <laughs> however you can dehumanize that sure thing. sure 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 <laughs> hey i need you to get on all fours and i'm going to strap this thing to your face well you could be like twiki right Twitty twiki carry around dr papadopoulos on, on his uh, was that what his uh, name his, was yeah it was i think dr. Something, doctor something like that but he carried a remember, he t- he was the 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 other guy that he wore around his bit neck it, bit yeah. it, bit it. Twinkies yeah. from Buck Rogers twiki yeah sorry <laughs> so for those of you I just... everyone's like twinkies what's this idiot talking about um, but yes, but if you live in Chicago or anywhere near it, September 22nd, there's going to be a screening. And then episode two of My Death Co. is coming out very shortly. We just finished that. They're going to probably give a link to that at the screening as well, but it'll be released probably that Friday before. And then episodes three and four will come out within the next couple of weeks after that. And then we'll be shooting five and six coming up. And uh, we'll kind of have a finished product and hopefully enough eyes on it to you know make it look Make it a TV show. Yeah, you know. And I think it's. I saw. I saw it. It's. Uh, it's good. So if you haven't it, seen it, you should check it out. Everybody. Yeah, and and as far as the like, I laughed when the the director called me to tell me I was nominated for best actor, and I was like, well, I mean, without <laughs> without everybody else working on it and and putting all that effort and time and, and money in some cases, no, but it's oh, okay. just like. It's if without everybody else, it's just me looking like a drugged out French mime in a cape. You know what I mean? It's like yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's so funny that you actually now reminded me. Uh, I forgot um, the short film that I directed. Someone you know actually won um, uh, was it was a, a best short at uh, the New Jersey Film Festival. And, oh, that's uh, awesome! Also in the um, Orlando Film Festival, I uh, just got accepted there. So, dude. Um, anyway, so it's funny. Like, I, I didn't go, so I forgot about it, and it was posted. And then I think my wife saw it on Facebook because um, Sally Brooks, who's uh, the the actress and also one of the producers, and wrote it. Um, she posted that we had won, and my wife forwarded me the picture. She was like, Th- "Thanks for never telling me that uh, we were a movie it. you directed." Um, oh, oh, you did because you didn't know uh, won won an award, and I was like, "No, I knew." Oh, you did. I well, just forgot were... about it. Huh? Okay. Well, that the, also the thing is, we we also know that these and, and, and that sounds arrogant, but that's not what I mean. I'm like, it's... I you know me, I'm very distracted with family and like doing other stuff. Like, if I'm not in the middle of doing something. And I, this is probably bad, which is you know for you know when you're trying to work a career, but I'm I'm usually focused on something else, like you know my kids or fantasy football or the bathroom, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. And also, like, there's there's uh, okay. Um, uh oh. Um, there's there's that also was, like that was what we call a text uh, text stroke. This is our guest. I'm just no, I'm just saying it's we call a text stroke when somebody stops for a second, gets a text, and then gets right back into it. it's texting stroke. All right, continue. Uh, well, I was going to say it's like we it it kind of like you want to keep an even keel in this business, meaning you don't want to get too excited and you don't want to get too down on yourself. So it's like 
there's a fine line. It's like you, you receive an award or you're nominated for something or a film you direct is in a thing and, and it's getting praised. But at the same time, you can't, one, you can't just sit back and go, look what I did. There it is. I'm done here. Like, you have to keep working. You have to keep moving forward. And, and also, like, in the scheme of things, like, this, any award doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, mm-hmm. and this isn't a slight on him, but guys like Cuba Gooding Jr., you know, that guy won an Oscar. And then, you know... And then signed one of my DVDs. Two years later, he's in Snow Dogs. It's like, you, there's no... You have no idea where your career is going to go. So you have to kind of, like, accept it, live in the moment, enjoy it, take it in, appreciate it. But, like, you can't really sit back and go, well, I'm, a, I'm an award winner now, so fuck it. Yep. You, you got to keep, keep moving forward. Lastly, before I forget, I just wanted to say something about a stranger, someone that I don't know, um, that uh, I... Um, loosely followed. I stumbled upon her um, a couple years ago on YouTube. Her name was Claire Wineland. She uh, had cystic fibrosis. Oh, yeah. And uh, I always found her to be, uh, you know, she struggled with that um, that disease that unfortunately um, she tried to get a lung transplant this past week and, and died. And I, I felt really, you know, I don't normally, I'm not like moved by a lot of stuff, but I, I actually, she was quite an inspirational person. Like yeah. she, and she kind of like uh, approached life in a way that um, was like, look, man, we're all going to have our struggles. And she didn't say like, oh, poor me. She was just saying, look, I, this is mine. Whatever yours is, you know, we're all going to die. I may just die sooner than you, but, you know, figure it out. Enjoy the life that you have and do your best. Like that kind of like, that very like simple uh, ideology. And, uh, and she, she, she was just a sweetheart the way she carried herself. But anyway, it's just, it was like one of those things that kind of like she, I didn't, it kind of she left the, my consciousness and then kind of came back in about all of a sudden just showed up for something in a thread. And then it was like, hey, I'm going to get this lung transplant. I'm like, oh, this is great. This person deserves it. And then it kind of spiraled down, down, down. And, and um, you know, it's just a, um, anyway, it's, if you can find her, you should, you should, yeah. I mean, anybody. Oh, she's on, she's online um, there, yeah. Online, you know, you should uh, look up Claire Wineland her, and her, listen to some of the videos, stuff that she talks about. Yeah, her it's, videos and her, her, her uh, Podcast appearances and all that stuff remain online, so yeah. that's kind of a nice if you if you're interested. It's a good. It is inspirational for sure. Yeah, so I just wanted to point that out that uh, that was a, that was a rough one, and I know our family's going through a lot right now to have to um, you know survive uh, a parent having to survive um, their child's passing. It's always a tough deal, but anyway, she was an amazing person. So rest in peace, and you guys should check her out just to do her that salad one more time. Yep. All right. You want to uh, <clears throat> call our guest? Let's do it. All right. Ring, 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 ring. I think we tricked him, John. Ah, oh. oh, the phone is ringing. Oh, and our guest today... Ring, ring. Uh, ...from the world of entertainment... He's a... Uh, ...producer, um, uh, comic, uh, writer, um, man about town. Not this town, but a town. <laughs> Gavin Boyd. Gavin, how are Gavin. you? What's up, guys? Gavin, when you? was the last time you were the best man at a wedding? Or just the best man in general? Uh, last time I was best man at a wedding eight years ago. Okay. Did you make up lots of like lies and, and, uh, co- was, cover up all the crimes that you and whoever's friend that you were standing in for, um, had committed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of that. I did, See? um, I did kind of a, the speech, you know, how we were like, Oh, I'm going to be the super funny guy in the movie. Oh God. And I kind of was like, Hey, it's nice to meet your friends so they can back up some of the stories that you've told me. And that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Apparently, there were some 
dark stories that people in <laughs> attendance didn't want. To See, know. <laughs> John didn't believe me. I told I told him that best man speeches or speeches at weddings are just it's just cover up for all the sins and crime. It's like <laughs> starting over. It's just cleanup, yep. right? Cleanup. It's crime scene cleanup. One hundred percent. I just right. like, again. He's a really good guy, even though he's not a great guy. And I'm sorry <laughs> that you spend the rest of your life. With. Yeah, you've chosen this idiot, and uh, it's beyond me. So. <laughs> Yeah, my, bro- my brother saw a best man give a speech once. The guy got super hammered, which is never a good plan, and then yeah. went up there, and the first thing he did was, this was back in like, you know, I, probably early 2000s, late 90s, and this guy grabbed the mic and then said, uh, I think the people getting married were, uh, were like Tina and, and, and I don't know if it's Tina and Tony or something like that. But this, Okay, that's a, that's a Broadway play, yeah, but that's fine. But this guy was like, can you smell what Tina and Tony are cooking? And he was trying to be the rock. And he was like, and he like did this whole thing, and it was like, my brother goes, it was so silent that I wanted to stand. My brother doesn't doesn't like talking in public. He's like, I wanted to stand up and start talking so that people would forget about what that guy just did. And I was, he was like, it was the most. Unc- and then he was like talking about he he did the thing that they do in uh, if you've ever seen that movie, the uh, the Ringer or the Wedding Ringer with uh, Kevin Hart and uh, Josh Gad. Yeah, yeah. They go to a wedding to kind of observe, and the best man is drunk, and he goes, he has his speech, and Kevin Hart's like, don't rip up the speech, don't rip up the speech, and the guy goes, fuck it, man, and he rips up the speech, he's like, I'm just going to speak from my heart, and then he's just like, he's like, um, at, you know, is like, the one time, like, he can't remember anything he wants to talk about, it was really funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, no good. Gavin, no you, good. we're talking to you, you are, where are you in the U.S.? I am in Boise, Idaho. Oh, Boyd and Boise. Um, I went through there once. There's a lot of nice rock formations and and uh, stuff. A lot of nice rock formations, and it's. Um, I've learned that how you pronounce Boise will tell the people here whether you're from here or not. Because if you say Boise, you're not from here. You're a foreigner. That's me. I say Boise. Yeah, but but yeah. don't don't they have a lot because of the the the, the school there? A lot of out of out of, out of towners. Out of staters? Yeah, I mean, they, they do, but it's traditionally, you know, like a town of between 100 and 150,000, and that's grown to, I believe, over 300 just in the last, like, less than 10 years. And why do you think that is? Do you think that's because of the success of the college on the national scale that more people are familiar with it, or is there something else going on? Yeah, you know, and it's, well, it's that, and it's proximity. Like, if I'm shooting in L.A., it's less than a two-hour flight. Isn't that crazy? To L.A. So Seattle, Portland, L.A., those become commuter cities for Boise. So you meet a lot of people that, you know, work for Adobe or Google or whoever, and they live here Monday through Friday and take that commuter over to Portland or over to San Francisco and work during the week because they can't afford to live there. Wow. Interesting. Is that how you, how did you end up? Yeah, I was going to say, you, I I met Gavin just for a little backstory. Backstory. Early 2000s. Best man speech. When I was uh, (laughs) a PA on the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which has been coming up more and more in my life every day because I me and Jamie follow each other on uh, Instagram and he's been posting stuff about Malibu's Most Wanted and stuff. And I just want to keep responding with, like, was this picture taken after you asked me to find you a bathroom that grips weren't crapping in? And remember, and just and Gavin doesn't know this, but I was also in. I was supposed to be. They somebody tried. One of my friends tried pranking me, and we figured out that. Uh, yeah. And John knows which one it was because John was. Oh uh, yeah, the wall. It, yeah. It was the old. I didn't fall for that right. shit. It was the old lady casting thing where it's like if you sleep with this lady, you'll get the part. And Brian was like, "Nope, fuck it. See you later." Um. But yeah. So so I've known Gavin for that for that long. Uh, but he was like 
he came on and played a mark. He was clearly an actor. He, he you know, he he was doing stand up. He was had his hands involved, his fingers in a little bit of everything. What year did you make the move to Idaho? So I was uh, the first. Let's, well, let me get my year straight. I get moved, your calendar out. I uh, yeah. I I did a lot of TV stuff, and then I went and produced a feature in Louisiana. Okay. And so that was in 2000, summer of 2005. And then wow. I came back, did a bunch more TV, and got there was a production company that opened in Boise that said, you know, basically just gave me a job offer. Like, we're doing this. We need somebody that is on the ground in L.A. Would, would you consider that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I've been... You know, I lived at the infamous Gardner building. I don't know if you've heard those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think but, we've, I haven't told too many of them on the on, on this yeah, podcast. Like but I, lived, I, I was there for the, the end from, of it. Yeah, so I lived across the hall from Ralphie May forever, and like so many comics came in and out of right. that building, and I'd been there, you know, for quite a few years. So I took that as a great opportunity to get out and come to Boise and um, just kind of commute back and forth. And that lasted a couple of years, and then I ended up back in L.A. for a couple of years, and then got married, my wife got pregnant, and we moved back to Boise in 2015. Wow, okay. And what, when this company called you, what were they looking for? So they, well, <laughs> they wanted somebody that had produced a movie so that they could try to get a movie made and they had some money. Um, none of that actually happened. happened. Right? I was just going to say, let me guess, it never not. happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, it, they ended up being a completely different, like, sort of tech company. They invented this, like, supercomputer type of thing. So really? It, it, yeah, yeah, and which I had no experience in or no background in. So I sort of found myself like, okay, well, I need to get back to L.A. because this so you, is the only producer job available in Idaho. Right. Um, yeah. So... So yeah, so I went back and I did a couple more projects, and and like I said, um, when we found out my wife was pregnant, we we came back, and I was working freelance for Frontrunner Films, which is the company I work for now, and I was producing commercials in LA, kind of going back and forth. The owner of that company um, is Tyler Nimmons, and he was basically looking for a city to move to with his family. Um, and they were looking at Austin, looking at Portland, and I said, you should really come to Boise so I don't have to get on any more airplanes. <laughs> yeah, and, and because probably cost of living. Um, oh, totally different. I mean, you're, you just Portland, L.A., like those, those places are a little bit more expensive these days. My house cost in the twos, and I'm on a third of an acre. Literally $2 in the twos. It was $2.42. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, my mortgage is great. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if you know Dan Cummins, uh, comedian. Yep. Um, very funny dude, but he also lives in Idaho. He lives in Coeur d'Alene, I think. But um, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, but, that's, but and you're a, also that's right, serious Idaho. And you're but yeah, you're, right. you're not that far from Yellowstone though, either, right? So you're you're part of like some there's some beautiful area. Oh no, Idaho is beautiful. Oh yeah, minus it, the yeah, racism and skinheads. Well, you know, yes. listen, you can find those in every <laughs> city. Minus the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, well, and um, Northern Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, is uh, a little more infamous for that stuff. We're we're a little more liberal down here. Yeah, you know, but, right. You're a and city. And by liberal, I mean not at all. Uh, <laughs> a little more liberal by at least. You mean we, the out of towners that we, go to school there? We don't have Nazi tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you so you working you're working full time for Front Runner now. Working full time for Front Runner. Um. We do a lot of uh, 
corporate videos, like, you know, TV's kind of dead. People don't really make commercials anymore unless they have giant budgets right. and are, you know, like huge companies. Everything is online. So basically our niche is that we do, we take a cinematic approach to companies like FinTech and HiTech and things like that, that, that you know, most of their advertising is like death by PowerPoint. So we've started sort of adding video to those types of companies and they makes them a little more approachable and a little more, um, you know, it's not, it's not so like here I work for a big tech company and, you know, we're just sort of these faceless robots. Right. You're putting, you're, you're, you're putting, um, eyes on them online. You're making them accessible. Exactly. And then still doing like we've produced, uh, Josh Wolf's, stand-up comedy special oh that's Uh, well you've known josh for fuck long time yeah close to 30 years i think oh jesus Um, so okay i know so did he come to you for that he did yeah that's cool he did and and you know we're fortunately kind of in a position where we can pick a couple of fun projects a year that we want to do so that actually is uh we're releasing that on tuesday oh really in about a week yeah so so that was great fun. That was great to sort of, you know, do that here locally. Like we shot it at the knitting factory here in Boise. Um, oh, you guys got a so knitting factory. So it was factory. fun to bring that here because there's an excitement here as opposed to LA where people are like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I'm trying so, to walk here. You're in the way as compared to like, oh, I'll, I'll be quiet and stay out of your way and just want to watch what you're doing. What's going on here? Curiosity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, so that's nice. And then we did... Um, a reality pilot that we're editing right now about these chef brothers. So, nice. so I've still said kind of, you know, keeping our hand into that side of it, doing a lot of the corporate and sort of the high end commercial online stuff. That's cool. Can you, can you sort of not like take us through the whole process, but like how, like when you say produce a comedy special, I imagine yeah. there are people that think, what do you mean? Just get some chairs, throw some people in there and point a camera yeah. at the guy talking. What's the problem? How hard is this going to be? Yeah, this is simple. Yeah, so um, so you guys, I mean, shooting it in Idaho made it easier for you guys. Right. And cheaper, probably. Yeah, it, especially, you know, you're, it depends on what you want the look. We wanted right. this to be kind of like a rock and roll, uh, beginning of Sweet Child of Mine kind of feel video. Okay. So it ha- has a little bit of a grittier sort of thing. So is it in black and white? It's not black and white, but it, it's it's... You know, it's a rock and roll stage with the light racks and, you know, a simple backdrop um, kind of thing. And we were able to, you know, he, is, he has a pretty good following. And so, you know, ticket sales sold out two shows. And then, you know, you, you do, you pack it with cameras, you know, you try to make it look as cinematic as possible. Um, you know, there's a, there's a height uh, risk of a, or feeling of anxiety because, you know, you've got to get it. <laughs> yeah, you've only got two shows, you got to get it. Right. So so all of that goes into it. Um and it's just I mean when when you take something on and you're not in LA, like I'm doing a casting right now. So we're casting for a commercial that we're shooting on Monday. You have to take on all of those roles because that person doesn't exist and the time it would take to train somebody like what a location manager really does. Right, right. Like people think, oh, I go take pictures of stuff. So it's just, it's just a, like that learning curve <laughs> hasn't happened here yet. So you end up like wearing all these hats. So you, you get pretty honed in what you're doing. Like you get pretty laser focused 
on, okay, this, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. There isn't any backup. Like, I, you have to do it. So yeah. that's been great. Like, I've, I've enjoyed the challenge of that mostly. Um, to a certain extent, I mean, I don't know about you personally, but like part of me, like I've produced a couple commercials and, and being involved in every aspect makes me feel a little better. Like, like when I, yep. can, when I, I know that even here, location managers, they get it. They know what they're looking for. But if I can go and take pictures of something and I can see the space, I feel better yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a lot yeah. of hats to be wearing, but there's a little bit more yep. confidence at the end. Of like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is right, and there's no one to blame but me, so I made sure it was right. Right, exactly. And, and you don't ever want to <laughs> walk on set and be like, hey, is there a porta potty coming? Yeah, no. You, yeah, co- you need like, somewhere uh, to take a shit and somewhere to get coffee. Those are the first two things. Jamie that Kennedy taught you that. Everybody, if I learned anything from Jamie Kennedy, it's that we need to find <laughs> bathrooms that grips aren't shitting in for the talent. That's right. And also, right. grips love coffee. Um, they, they do. Well, and they kind of go hand in hand. Coffee, coffee leads, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that one leads to the other. Yeah. <laughs> Which one, though? Hey, <laughs> where did you? Um, how did you even get? So obviously, we talked about the fact you did stand up. Was that the first thing you did, and then the rest of it you learned, or did you go to film school? Like, what's your little I, like? This is what I always wanted to do in life thing, and how did how did yeah. you end up screwing that up? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I uh, I uh, hated school. Um, I'm no John Huck. I wasn't ever going to sit in college. And I knew that going into my senior year of high school and I got a scholarship for theater because I was probably the only person in theater. <laughs> it was a one man show. So all you did was We're one giving man it show. to the only guy who yeah, applied exactly. for the scholarship. <laughs> That's right. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, put my name in a hat. Um, there's only one in there they're just shaking it to make for effect they're like we know it's going to be you but uh, exactly and they're like yeah um, Gavin Boyd (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I uh, I knew that there was no way and my parents were so excited bless their hearts that like oh finally he's going to turn it all around and go to college and these two girls called me up and they're like hey we're driving cross country from New York and going to LA do you want to go and, uh, yes. Is this a real story? This is a real story. Okay, because this so, sounds like an '80s movie. But continue. <laughs> yeah, and this is, this is 1988 to make it even better. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah. You're like, so, yeah. Uh, I saw Spring Break. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'll be the guy. Who were who um, were who were the two girls? Yeah, well, yeah, are, you still, yeah. are you still friends with them? And don't gloss over that part, by the way. You can't be like, then I was ready to go to college, and then these two girls and then pulled they drove up in an a, orgy car all the way to California, in a convertible <laughs> Jetta, and they said, "Hey, man." It was probably a rabbit back in '88. <laughs> Volkswagen it rabbit. Was a, it was a Honda Civic. Okay, solid car. Yeah, it was. It was a green <laughs> Honda Civic. We uh, one beautiful blonde girl, the other one a beautiful Hawaiian girl. Oh. So, right? Because Gavin so doesn't discriminate. To <laughs> LA, and I'm, I'm behind the wheel as we are oh, taking Oh, so you were the driver. Yes, I'm the driver, of course. Yeah, okay. and, mm-hmm. and, and you'll start to understand. Well, they had to have a pillow were. fight in the back. So well, Two things, Gavin, before we move further. Were you the platonic driver, and this story never came up during your wedding speech for the best man? <laughs> Just exactly. Okay, got it. Uh, we get to Van Nuys, and I see Burbank Boulevard, and I used to watch Laugh-In, and they'd say live from Burbank Laugh-In. Okay. So I, I took that exit, and so I just took an exit and took a left, and it was like the first place that had the apartment for rent <laughs> in, the, in the window, and they let us put the first month's rent on a credit card. Never saw either one of them naked, and they both moved within a year. 
Really? Okay, so here's the thing. So was your when they said we're going to California, you didn't look at this like this is a trip. You looked at it like, yeah, we're moving to California. Or did you make your decision yeah. once you got there? I, I they could have said Bethesda. I just knew somebody was coming through with a car. Okay, and, you, and you just like, wanted out. I'm, I wanted out. Like I'm not going to college. I'm not going. Like um, there's no way I'm spending four more years of school. So. I went down, got headshots, you know. Of course. Um, this, and, uh, you were here early like, enough that they were still doing black and whites. Say it again? You were here early enough that they were still doing black and whites. Like the headshots were always <laughs> yeah, black and white. They were, they were just getting ready to do some talkies. Yeah, they, oh, no, no but, black and but white. But you know photos. what I mean? Like yeah, the headshots, they were always like black and white until like that's, 2002. That's right. Oh, and, right. And Every it, headshot I, I get now is like, looks like it's done at Penny's. Or like you know the Sears, it's a, yeah. Studio. yeah, it's done on an iPhone. But the um, uh, yeah, he John is right, and I, I so I'm just curious. Your first headshots uh, were you because well, it was still the '80s, so it was the late '80s. I'm not quite sure if they were still if guys were still wearing the Jerry Seinfeld padded jackets, padded <laughs> shoulder jackets. Um, did you the uh, oversized suit with a the blazer? Hair, yeah, with the hair. Did you have did going you, over the collar in the back, or did you? Yeah, I, did, uh, did, were you were you were you mullet man? Did you were, did you have your did you have a big uh, pompadour up front? What what was your pompadour. headshot? Yeah, the pompadour. So I'm pompadour with a collared shirt and a like uh, a letterman's jacket dude because yeah you want you wanted jacket, all those fucking right. football rolls dude exactly you gotta wear that so <laughs> can say by the bell i got on the first show i got on was just the 10 of us oh my god wait yeah which is a spinoff of growing pains that's how long ago this was. holy shit who was in that what? gavin what's that who who was no, in? was that tracy hey. gold yeah, it, no, it wasn't Tracy Gold. It was um, it was the girl from the Halloween series, Jimmy Lee Curtis. Her name. No, the the young girl, the one that's like screaming on the bed is Johnny Depp. Uh, oh, you mean you mean Nightmare on Elm Street? That's what I meant. Yeah, you said Halloween. <laughs> that's why I was like, oh. that's all right. So, Gavin, what did you do in your first show? Okay, yeah. How long did it take from? Okay, so just because this this stuff always cracks me up. It sounds like you moved here and got a job right away, which it, is fucking crazy. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that what happened? So, like, you basically get in this. A car pulls up, two girls in it. You drive out <laughs> here, you pull over at Laughing Boulevard, you yes, get a place get a right away, and yep. then and then you get your black and white headshot. You hand it to the yep. first guy at a coffee shop, and the next thing you know, you're on the ten of us. Uh, Central Casting okay. had a ad in the back of Drama Log okay, that love said it. extras needed, okay, and a phone number. Okay, so I called and they said, "Well, can you come down?" And I said, "Sure." So I got out my Thomas Guide <laughs> and I went. And this is pre cell phone too, correct? This is pre cell phone. So you're, like, you landlines and pay phone. Exactly right. So when somebody left the house, you had no idea whether they were coming back. <laughs> um, so, I ladies and gentlemen, by the way, Gavin, this is why there's so many cold cases before cell phones. Just so, just so everybody's very right. clear. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Can you imagine being a serial killer now? You'd be like, well, no. what, what's, what are my options? You're busted yeah. immediately. You immediately. Can't, you can't kill people. You can't molest kids. No, you get you, busted for everything. Yeah. As it, it should exactly. be. It's like you, you just have to go to a place that has like high elevation. Yeah. Like where people don't get cell. No phones. signal. No signal. No signal killer. Um, <laughs> the no, no signal, signal killer? killer. There you go. That's a good, um, that's, a, that's a fucking uh, movie of the week. That's right. Make it in Boise. Yeah. All right. So back to your, back to yes. your success story. Okay. So my success story. So I go into the central casting office and um, like I sign up and this guy comes over to me and he said, are you available to work this afternoon? And I was, I said, yeah. And he said, we need 
people that look high school age for a dance scene at Burbank Studios Ranch. You see? Um, at like 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it paid like $40. Oh, my so God. So I went screaming up to Burbank Studios Ranch, parked a mile away, you know, walked in, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'm on an actual soundstage mm-hmm. and like dancing and there's no there's no, no music because that's bad for editing so, right so now are these things that dancer. you knew are these things that you knew beforehand or is this or is a lot of this really are you learning it you? on the fly yeah and pretending that you already knew like did I, you know there would be no music and you'd be forced to dance in silence no, not at all okay, okay. so you didn't all understand surprised. all that production related stuff and by the way no, forty dollars no. back then is uh, equivalent to uh, twelve dollars now. So continue your story. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say sixty-five. So yeah. So I sat there and it was the greatest. I'd made it. Like I could not wait to get home and call my mom. Yeah, you were. On, you were gonna it. be on TV. Yeah, I made it on TV. And then, um, like, I, so I, I was an extra for a while, and then I realized, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> Oh, like, we're treated like shit. Oh, like it's a bag of Doritos, and I sit on the ground all day. So can I ask yeah. you a question, and I'm not trying to demean the majority. majority of extras are no. good people, but they also carry a lot of them in there. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a group that I'm, I'm wondering if it was that other group of people that you finally yeah. realized, I can't hang out with that other group of people. There and I'm, and I'm, there's some loon balls in there, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, it's, if somebody has like a paperback book, like you stay away. Yeah, because like, they, they... Like you, you, you know, you start to be able to categorize extras. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, okay, that's... A lifer. That person's going to get me into an ear headlock for two hours. Oh, yeah. What about the about person that cat. always brings their guitar? What? Yeah. And you're oh, like, no, 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 no. That's uh-uh. not no. That's not nice. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're, no one's interested. No. Put no, that away. No, I brought no. my banjo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, nobody wants to hear your version of Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but I'm an all-star. Uh, so are you, but how quickly, like, how quick was that? You were an extra, like, meaning, you know, day one in the apartment and to when you got that extra gig. Uh, that was like six days. Good God. Good for you. It was fast. Yeah. 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 And, and you had a good look, you know, kid. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I look like a standard issue, you know, white. White high school, yeah. It's, you know, I just, I look the same now except I'm 50. Yeah. You, you were a nondescript, safe, yep. young, white yep. child. You were the thing that, that was... nobody wants now on TV. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants nondescript white people on TV anymore, which is fine. No, We've had a good run. happened. Um, And then I was there for three years and then um, had always been sort of a closet comic. And uh, somebody had given me the advice that, you know, John, you're, again, opposite of your story. They said, do not start in L.A. Like, you'll you'll go on stage once and then, like, you know, get Ebola. Like, they made the worst possible thing to do. So I moved to Seattle. Okay. And started uh, and started doing stand up, and that's where you met uh, Josh. That's where I met Josh. Yeah, okay. So, and Brody, Brody was another one that was Brody there. Stevens. Yeah. Oh night, wow. Night number one. I think he's the first guy that I actually talked to because, and he had a notebook, and I was like, "Oh, you write this shit down. That's way <laughs> yeah. better. Way better than my plan of trying to memorize everything I ever think of." Right. All the all the jokes that I wrote on the way to the comedy club in my car. Right. Because that's how you do it. Well, that's how you. I mean, honestly, I think that is the start of it. It's like you. you first of all, first off, you have to think you're funny. Well, first of all, getting and then on stage, you do just just funny. the push to, of of yourself to get on a stage and talk into a microphone in front of people. That's the first 
chunk of it. Right. You're going to realize you don't have any fucking material almost immediately, and you're going to have to start exactly. figuring out what your writing process is. And you can look at people like, yeah, you see someone with a notebook, you're like, yeah, I should write that down. Someone told me get a voice recorder very early on, right. and I had right. this like taped the, like the little, little mini tapes, little mini tapes, and I would carry this thing with me, and I would try to record my thoughts and my things I thought were yep. funny, and I would always be out with it at a bar when they came out with digital ones, like because I would get drunk and I would say a bunch of stuff, and people would laugh, but I would never remember it the next day. But then when you record those conversations, you're like, this is garbage. Well, and also right. those things, you could record about 12 seconds before it ran out of space. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have yeah. 30 <laughs> seconds at the most for like each folder or whatever right. it was. And, and remember there was always that open micer that would ask everyone to record them? Uh, I'd be like, hey, hey, can you push record when I go on stage? Like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> no. That. And then I there's the, the, my, 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 the one I was never a fan of. And again, the, I get it now in hindsight, but it's just... Getting off stage and walking around going, what'd you think? How'd I do? And like, I don't like the follow-up. It's like, first off, don't ask open micers because most of them are dicks. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say something, and I probably have. No, probably. I know for a fact I've probably said a few uh, things when I was just annoyed at being asked or something like that. Or, you know, it's just like they're going to lie to you. It's not a good good gauge. It's not a good gauge. I just... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Gavin. I was going to say, you either get, oh, yeah, you did great. And completely insincere, or yeah. hey, I've heard you do that joke eleven times. It sucked every time. <laughs> Stop doing it. And then you're like, that guy's such an asshole. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I I did that once. I told the guy that he would make a great agent after a set, and he got really confused. <laughs> and I was like, I shouldn't have done that. But the funny thing is, he eventually became one. And he saw me years later. He's like, thanks for that advice. Oh. Man. I was just like, so good. Oh shit! I was just kidding, I and I felt right. horrible about that for years. But. He just always struck me off stage as that kind of guy anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was yeah, like, you should yeah, be an agent. Sure. And, and it was kind of a dick move. Like it's not, I realized afterwards it's not it's You not weren't my saying place. it as a positive thing. No, and, it, and I realized in hindsight, and again, live and learn, it's not my place to tell you whether you should or should not do stand-up, you right. should or should not write, you shouldn't pursue something that you want to pursue. Yeah. Who, who am I? Sure. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not life's gatekeeper. I need to keep my mouth right. shut, regardless of how I feel about your performance, right? Yeah. No, and agree. that was kind right. of the thing. So eventually, if someone would ask me, What'd you think? I would say you were up there, and then I would walk away. <laughs> you did it. Goodbye. You did it. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Brian Dunkelman used to do a bit about like people would say, "Oh, hey, nice effort." Yeah. <laughs> nice it was like, effort. It was like the most condescending thing ever. Yeah. Well, it's like, it was like, "What am I diving for a loose ball?" <laughs> but but <laughs> that's <laughs> even like that's even like Stanhope. He's like, the, you know, in two thousand six or whatever, he was a touring national headlining touring comedian that would, you know, sell out shows and shit, and he'd be, like, trying to sell his merch after a show, and some guy would walk by and go, hey, man, keep going. I hope you make it. He's like, make it? Make it where? I fucking made it. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, right. people... There is no, there's not a next level. Yeah, people think there's some, like... Well, yeah. if you're not living in a gold-plated house, driving a gold-plated right. car, and you're not on right. TV every day, then you've done nothing. It's yeah. like... Well, yeah. look at the Cosby guy. Well, that was that yeah, is yeah right there we go. But, but again, this morning. But the that funny is thing is, is like for people like us who have been uh, who have been around this process, we know better. Like, and honestly, sure. even the reporters should know better that. It, well, Fox in the, in the, a bunch of dickheads. But it, I'm talking about the people that put this stuff together. It's a feast or famine business, entertainment in general, right? You bet. And so it's like you know you kind of have to understand that like 
There's about 12 people in Hollywood that make a shitload of money. Yeah. Everybody right. else at some right. point is hoping that they don't run out of it yes. before their next gig comes Seacrest, along. Seacrest, Clooney, Brad Pitt, yep. Steve Harvey. That's all the money in Hollywood right there. Right. Four right. people. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And, and comedy money, like it's all going to there's, there's money in comedy? Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Kevin. Kevin Hart has all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's like just a hand, you can count them on one hand. Correct. The, you know, the people that, that make that kind of, like, you know, there are plenty of people that are comfortable, but like the pot of gold people. Right. And, and, and in, in whatever element. But it, it's not but that many. What I do like about it, and it, it sucks that something negative had to come of it, but it kind of it circles back to what we're talking about here, is that it's also, I think, both demeaning to anybody who, who has a career working in a non-entertainment-related business. That's, that's demeaning that if you're pursuing your dreams... Um, and and the cla- it's what's classified as not making it or failing is having a real job <laughs> is very it's it, it, it's it's a little bit elitist. It's first offensive. off, it's it's and, sure. it, and it's because you're basically saying like your job well, you is shit be, if you're not an entertainer. Yeah, you used to be a stand up comedian and now you're working at Trader Joe's. Oh my god, that's <laughs> horrible. It's like oh okay, well what are we saying to all the people that work at Trader Joe's then? Yeah, that right, don't want to exactly. be that have no interest in being a stand up comic, right? right. No interest. Yep. We in should being... be praising those people. Actually, you don't want to be a stand up comic. Thank God, <laughs> you're <laughs> doing the world a service. <laughs> right. Well, and and also, you know, people people shame themselves so bad, and that, yeah. like, that, that's oh what, my yeah. god, I can't I can't do this because the perception will be X. That, and it's like, well, you're making 15 bucks an hour. And it's like, most people are like, ooh, Trader Joe's, 15 bucks an hour. Benefits. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, benefit, you and, know. and you know one of the other jokes, and this used to be a common joke in the comedy scene um, for many, many years, which was, which was the whole like, I'm an actress. Okay, well, I'll have my I'll have my meal now. And yeah, it was like, like it would demean yeah. like act the like fact you're going to bring me my breadsticks, bitch. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, that was like a common right. joke of like, yeah. well, you're oh you're oh you're an a- yeah okay you're an actress. Right. Well, just go back Which and get me my coffee. Yeah, exactly. Or like or like oh I saw you know I saw Gary Busey and he rang me up at Ralph's or whatever. The, it's like some dumb. It's like people. I think the the beauty of what came out of that is what what you just said, Gavin, is that we would shame ourselves like. Yeah. You know, I remember getting my first, like, I did a Capital One commercial, and I started getting checks, and I was like, I'm never going to have to work again. Woo! <laughs> and then I was right. like, and then, of course, the commercial doesn't run forever, and the money isn't right. so good that it's, like, piling up around me. So, yeah, I yeah. pay my bills. I have a couple meals out. I go see a movie. That money's fucking gone. So, yep. like, I had to go back to, I did temp work. I did production work. I did all kinds of stuff. I didn't, I always felt, I'm very fortunate that I was able to work in production. So even when I wasn't in front of a camera, I was involved in the entertainment right. industry somehow, which is what I really you wanted. You have a skill set. Yeah, yeah. You have a skill set. I had a skill set that was learned, you know, almost accidentally over the course right. of a couple of years. But, like, the best thing about this um, Jeffrey guy from Cosby Show is, one, now he's getting offers all over the place, which is hilarious. Awesome. And, two... The people that I know that have come out and said, you know, I used to shame myself whenever, like, there were people like, you know, I did a set on Conan, and then I had to go back to my job waiting tables a week later, and people were like, hey, didn't I just see you on Conan? And they're like, right. yeah, but guess what? You don't leave the Conan studio, get on a tour bus, and then travel the country in a whirlwind of money and pussy. Yeah. That's just not how right. it works. Right. Conan now, yeah, it's Unless like, you're the president. Yeah, well, but Conan now is like, even if you do a spot on Conan, it's it's coveted. It's great. And as comics, we still want that. But like, 
it doesn't right. have the same effect as like Jerry Seinfeld getting called over to the couch on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Like Absolutely. that, it's just there's so many more ways to be discovered and be seen with the internet, right. with the way TV streams, with all that shit. That like there's just not that that kind of like I'm gonna get my career's gonna break once I get on Conan. Like it's just not right. like nobody that. crowns you anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like you get a high five from the, your buddies at the comedy store, and you fucking go back to work the next day. Right, right. And yeah, and you know, like people, um, you know, especially in Boise, like people that are wanting to have some sort of career in entertainment, um, you know, I always say, look, you're going to have to learn how to handle the swings because that's the difficult part. It's always easy to make more money. (laughs) It's just, what do you do when you got 40 bucks left? Yeah. And, you know, and you guys have experienced it, like where it's like this, this project is happening starting September 1. Awesome. Take got a couple calls. No, I've already committed myself. Da, 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 da. The September one job goes away. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, somebody pulled out funding or we decided not to make it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you know, I think we're going to kick it to next year. And you're like, oh, oh great. my God. I guess and I'll... you can't snap. Yeah. Like, you can't freak out because that's a revenue source potentially down the road, but you're, you're screwed. Yeah. So it's being able to handle those swings. Like what, whether you're a comic or a writer, director, producer, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're either on the front burner or you're on the back burner always. Yeah. I mean, and there are people that I know just that I, I assume that, you know, you get in, it's like when you're a kid and you talk to an adult and an adult like admits to not knowing something and you're like, wait, what? You don't know something. Like, aren't you a fucking adult? How do you not know that? Then you become an adult and you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know shit. <laughs> but like, I, you know, these people that I worked for and, and, and that were like, you know, uh, executive producers and stuff on shows that I worked at coming up. A lot of those people are either out of the business now or they had to move or they just, it, you yeah. know, whatever they were working on dried up. And then the way productions, production is now, like, it, it's a whole different skill set. Like, I'm a, I'm a producer. I'm a segment producer or a regular mm-hmm. producer. I can supervise, produce. But, like, if you ask me to right. grab a camera and shoot the thing that I'm trying to produce and then edit it on an Avid, I'm lost. I'm done. I'm yeah. out. Me too. I, yeah, one hundred percent. Me uh, too. I need. Uh, I don't. I, let's hire an editor and a camera guy, and then I'll produce that. <laughs> like, right, right. Th- that's how right. I'm I'll used to doing. Get everybody in the same room. Yeah, yeah, and I'll make sure they're on the same page, getting the shit we want. But like, there's just right. the b- business. It changes so so frequently that that those guys that were like executive producers on some of these reality shows and 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 hidden camera stuff that when that dries up, no one's hiring them to go. You know, work on a major motion picture or go do a, a right. series. It's like they're done. Yep. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no help wanted ads posted to the Hollywood sign. Everybody's already there. Yeah. So so yeah. yeah, you really do have to make your way. Like there's no, and you know, however that manifests itself. I'm sitting in Boise, Idaho, and I've got eleven productions going. Right, and that, and I think is that's the key, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because there is, I'm always a big fan of talking about like you know people move out here and they think well this is my this is my path i'm going to do this i'm going to get that then i'm going to get on snl yep. then i'm going to be uh in movies and then lauren michael is going to fucking champion me up to an oscar and then i'll be fine yep. you know but yeah. but that's can not, you say that again i was right i only you, i was writing it down but i you didn't. only got to like gonna host snl <laughs> but like i i feel like there's you have to be open to you know like you were like oh i want to do comedy oh don't start in la okay you were open you moved to seattle like that's a yeah. ballsy, like, just Not really. Moving. The guy got into a green car with two women that said right. we're going to he, California. He clearly doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But <laughs> also, 1988, <laughs> you got to so think, bad. like, we're coming off the end of the cocaine era. We're like, we're coming. Yeah. 
People, yeah, what, people what you, did whatever the fuck they wanted in the 80s. Oh, so you actually delivered cocaine throughout the Midwest as you were driving. He, just, he okay. was like Johnny Appleseed. He planted it. <laughs> yeah. He planted cocaine plants. <laughs> yeah, all along the way. You're welcome. <laughs> You're, yes. um, Paved my the way. day job, funny enough, through the... So I was in Seattle for four years, and then I came back to L.A. because I had... The nice thing about being in Seattle also is there was a lot of showcases. Like HBO would do a showcase and Comedy Central and like all these stuff. So I met enough people that said, hey, you know, get to L.A. I'll help you out, which you know how, where this story is going. Yeah. Um, so my day job when I got back, so I moved back to L.A. when I was 28, 29, is I would go around with this guy and hook up high-end stereos for really successful Hollywood people. Oh, God. Hold on a second. So you're in, what were you doing in Seattle? Uh, Comedy. Real quick. Oh, no, 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 no. For work. I, for work. For work. I was a cook in a restaurant. All right. So, so, so it's the people in the comedy circuit were like, hey, I'll hook you up when you get back to LA. And they, what, what they meant by that was, here's a shitty here, job. Here's a, here's a job at rich installing box. stairs. And again, going back to the not job shaming, but the point <laughs> is, I was expecting you to say that there was a, somehow or another, they promised you a gig in a production company. And you were like, okay, I guess we'll do that. And I'm assuming he positioned it in a way, or, or whoever it was positioned it in a way that this is opportunity? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I won't name names. But, yeah, he was like, get to L.A., you, <laughs> no business being in Seattle and doing, you know, one-nighters. Right. Like, get to L.A., we need to put you on. You, where, get to L.A. where you stuff. can do one-nighters at open mics every night. Exactly. <laughs> and then I, I spent, you know, a couple of years doing... Like, hey, hey, I'm the, again, the standard issue white guy. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Nobody's even looking at me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that was a tough, like, oh, well, you know, and, and having had like four years of like great audiences and, and, you know, big showcases and competitions and like all that stuff. Like Seattle's really a great place for comedy. It. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And to getting to LA where it's, you know, yeah. again, it's, like, didn't I see that guy going through the trash can before he got on stage? Mm-hmm. Um, especially during that time. So yeah. I had a, I had a buddy that was in LA that did the stereo business. So I called him and I was like, do you ever need any help? And he was like, as a matter of fact, I do. So I spent years doing that. So we'd be at like Jerry Bruckheimer's house and Jesus. Don Simpson's house and yeah. like the, the power players of those days and in these beautiful, huge mansions. And then I go back to my studio apartment in Hollywood and do an you know, open mic at midnight. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. That's, that, that sounds all right to me. At least you get to, you know, you're, it's still at the end of the day, it's a story you just told right now. It's an yeah. experience that you had. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's one of those things, and I'm sure you walk away from this a lot, trying to wrap your head around how much money certain human beings have to live like that is mind-boggling. Absolutely. Mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Mind-boggling. Especially yeah. when you're on like a three-acre estate in the middle of Bel Air, and <laughs> yes. you're just like, oh, this has to be billions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like just to, 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 so just to keep it, the amount of money. You have to, right, exactly. Just to have that place open 30 days. Out of the month. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, that must have been pretty interesting. So, ultimately, how did you go from open mic uh, comedy to, um, to production? Like, when did, you, when did it click over? You're like, I'm just going to do production stuff. Well, um, to stay with the theme, a girl called me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And said, I think you would be a really good producer. And I said, what? Was this and after you got said, off stage and said, how'd I do? <laughs> 
Um, How was I? You'd be a good producer. She was the landlord at the apartment. No. Um, (laughs) And that happens to be the same person that did the same thing to John Huck. Boom. Celine. Celine. Amazing. Celine Hinojosa called me and said, I think you make a really good producer. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And she said, I have this thing that starts tomorrow. It's a pilot. And the segment producer just crapped out. Um, Can you start tomorrow this is what it pays and it was like astronomically more than i would yeah it would whatever whatever uh, was like as as low as it was it was probably four times what you were making (laughs) at your other jobs you're like holy shit yeah exactly so all of a sudden i was on you know the lot at warner brothers as a segment producer not even knowing what that meant and um once i sort of started to figure that out i just i fell in love with it i was like oh okay this is way better like you have you know, people are relying on you. You're not just somebody that's over in the trailer. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But for me, it was like, oh, yeah, I have skin in the game. Like, that's part of something. I'm making something. You're, yeah, you're, your decisions that's count. That's where the appeal came in. Yeah. Celine, so I, was a, I was a PA on, on the Jimmy Kane's experiment, and Celine was like, hey, when she moved over to MTV to do Punk, she was like, hey, do you want to come over with us and be a, an associate producer? And I was like, oh, Jesus, you know, I really don't know what that means. And she goes, well, for starters, it pays twice what you're making now. And I was like, well, then I'm in. Fuck it. Like, wor- <laughs> yeah. wor- worst case scenario, everyone goes, you're terrible at this. Get out. Here's your paycheck. Best right. case scenario, I worked on Punked for, you know, long after she had left. Like, I was there. Right. I was there the whole time of that first run. I was there from like 2000. Uh, shit, was it 2002 to like 2006 or seven or something like that? Like we were wow. there for, yeah, man. I mean, and spoiled, like just, I became a second oh, producer spoiled. and just like corner office in the CNN building, just bitching when I had to work weekends, like what the fuck? I want to go to a concert, like just a baby about stuff. And, and you look back on it, you're like, oh man, I'd give anything for that. <laughs> that was so, yeah, that right. was so well, great. Especially to have like one of your first jobs last that long. Like you would think, oh yeah, this is just what you do. You start a show and you stay on it for five or six. You were That's, fooled into stability. Dude, I was fooled no into stability thing. and I was fooled into like working on something that people loved. Like whenever I would mention punked anywhere in the United States, oh. people would be like, oh, oh yeah. dude, I love that show. Or, oh, fuck, man, I, my favorite episode is, and they'd want to ask you questions about it, and they were interested. There's so much TV that, I didn't, that was being made. Like when my, I moved my, helped move my brother out here, and I got him a job on Punked, and then he, from Punked, he decided he was going to go into the tech world, and then he ended up working on and I, uh, all these really shitty reality shows, and I would always go, God, your resume sucks, dude. But... <laughs> But, like, it didn't really. I mean, he was a utility guy on these shows. Like, that, he did his job. He was, he was yeah, great right. at it. But, like, it's, it's such a rare thing. Like, my wife works on Shark Tank, and as stressful as that is, like, when wow. she brings it up or someone asks her, people are always excited about the show. It's not yeah. like, I, I work on uh, Lizard Lick Towing, and people are like, ugh, gross. Get the fuck out of here. It's like, you, right. there are so many shows being produced that, like, to be on one that people actually give a shit about is rare. Yeah, especially, I mean, yeah, now. Like, I mean, who's watching TV? Like, well, it's, yeah. You know, it, it's such a, everybody has such an online presence or, you know, almost, you know, the cord cutting is happening like 60% faster than even like DirecTV and the cable companies thought it would. Yeah, yeah, DirecTV, like, those, really those businesses are hurting because they're always yeah. after me to sign back up and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so many people when I tell them that I was on the episode of Punks with, with Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. 
like their eyes get as big as saucers. One of the like, most talked like, about, one of the most uh, loved punt bits of all time, and it was like the first one we did. Yeah, it's just crazy and, yeah. and like done so beautifully. Like that one's. It was beautiful. Right. So I mean, I, it, the whole thing was was a work of art. Like there were so many things that we did on that show that when you look back, you're like, "God damn, we were pretty good at that," you know. Yeah, and I sure. I just remember kind of being like. As an associate producer, my job was like slightly more than it was as a PA, but most right. of the time I was still hiding. It was like my job was hiding. Like, all right, they're coming. Hide. So you're really so, good at hiding. Like, I'm really good at hiding. Like, I'm, I'm just off. Like, it wasn't until I became a segment producer, I started getting, like, kind of forcing my way into the control room and like telling, talking with Ashton and Jason about like what needed to happen. Like, then I felt like I was more involved and I had a say, you know, even if I didn't have a say, I felt like I had a say. Right, and and that's the job that you're bitching about having to go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, I would it, you get that way. It, it and that's and you get that uh, to me. That was a uh, that was a little bit of my youth, and like na- naivete and ignorance, whatever you want to call it. But like, as you get older, you're like your work ethic changes, and you just become a. I mean, I became, in my opinion, a, I've become a better person. So like, right. if I were to do that show again, it would be there'd be a lot less spazzing out. There'd be a lot less sweating. There'd be a lot less yelling. There'd be a lot less, <laughs> it would just be a more, I'd be a more calm boss, you know? Um, yeah. But, but that's also the learning curve for me. I didn't go to film school. I had no, my, like right. my, my second day on Jamie Kennedy, somebody handed me a, a video camera and was like, uh, Tim Gibbons goes, give me a two shot. And I go, dude, I don't know what that is. He goes, you don't know what a two shot is. What the fuck did you learn in film school? I go, I didn't go to film school, man. He goes, what are you doing here? I go, paying my rent, bro. And he was like, okay, a f- two shot is a shot with two people in it. Because you know what a three yeah. shot is? I go, let me guess, three people. Let me guess. Now you got um, it. Now, now I'm picking it up. Yeah, now I'm a genius. <laughs> it was like, and that's when John started shooting threesome porn. <laughs> and that was it, just three ways. Um, do, you know, um, do you know my favorite quote from Tim Gibbons is? <laughs> what? He said, hey, Gavin. Now try to do what I ask. <laughs> for, for anyone that doesn't know, Tim Gibbons is uh, an executive producer. He's a very funny guy, but also he was like, he worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He went from the Jamie Kennedy experiment to like Curb Your Enthusiasm and yeah. then a bunch of other stuff. Like him and Aaron O'Malley yeah, are all over. Uh, he's one of those guys that works constantly. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the last time I saw him, I think was on Betty White's Off Their Rockers. They brought him in to like try to clean up whatever they were doing. And, uh, and he was, he was the same guy. He's just a great guy. Just a really nice dude. Yeah, yeah. But he, you knew where he stood with him. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's a, a great way. It's much better than, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll never hire you again. Exactly. Tell me I'm fucking up. Make me do it right. And if I can't yep. figure it out then, then never hire me right. again. Right. And if, and if I'm crying all the way home, then I don't need <laughs> then to be in Maybe that's thing. not for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, uh... I feel like we got to let you go. Uh, um, yeah, I ha- I'm actually headed out to um, the. Have you seen the lip sync challenge that the police departments are doing? Police departments, no. Police so share. There's this, yeah, there's this, there's this big thing. All the police departments around the country do this like lip sync challenge, and they put it online. So the Boise Police Department has hired frontrunner films to come. Uh, do their lip sync challenge. Oh man, amazing! So you're gonna go. Not happening in LA. You're gonna go. <laughs> you're gonna go watch cops lip sync to what? It's um, oh, I can't say. Call it's, me maybe. Um, Call it's me a, maybe. Um, it's it's a show tune. All right. That's all. 
Hooray for Hollywood. Hollywood. I'll send you guys a copy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. How long does something like that take? Uh, so, well, today's like the first meeting. We'll probably shoot it two days next week. Take gotcha. a week to edit. Gotcha. So get it up pretty fast. Nice. So, uh, so Front Runner Films, Gavin Boyd. Uh, anything else coming out we should be on the lookout for? Uh, so Tuesday is the Josh Wolf comedy special. Which, Josh uh, Wolf, check it out. Uh, Where will that yeah, be released? That one's gonna be, it's called Father of the Year. Um, and um, yeah, just where's that going to um, be? How can people see it? How can people see it? Uh, people uh, comedianjoshwolf.com, uh, Front Runner Films. Um, just any sort of Google search. We're going to put it. Um, it's five bucks on Josh's site. Okay. Um, it's a good special. Like he crushed it. It's great. Nice. Oh no, he's a he's a great comic. I mean, he actually yeah, gave me some solid advice early on when get I get out. Well, no, I was <laughs> like, I was like, hey man, like how you want to do my best man speech? Because I <laughs> because you know I, I was like friends with uh, his brother and and his yeah. cousins and stuff. I actually just saw Gary uh, Wolf love the other Gary day. Wolf. Gary's great. Yeah. But, I love um, Gary Wolf. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. But I was asking Josh, like we were all out one night drinking and I was like, Hey man, I, like you, you seem to be like, you're on the road. You're doing like what I want to do. Like how long do I have to, what do I have to do? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm the funniest guy at the shows I'm on and I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere. And, right. and he was like, dude, this is going to sound stupid and contrived, but you'll know when you're ready. Cause they'll find you. And I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. Uh, and then I was kind of like, "Fuck you." And then I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> As I got older, I'm like, "That makes sense." Like, yeah, mm, solid advice. Like, yeah, I don't, it was. I don't it look was like solid the guy advice. Desperate to get a business card at the end of the night, right? And lo and behold, I'm getting business cards. Well, right, yeah, and that, and also, it takes a longer time than you think to find your voice when you're doing comedy. It all does. You know, everything so. takes longer and costs more money. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. That's thanks, exactly Dad. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dad. Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for uh, for letting us uh, take up your time. And uh, oh, my we, pleasure, guys. We great. really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. And hey, Gavin, right. um, yeah. uh, you, it's okay to open up a different Facebook account and try to find those girls in the green car now, and just reconnect. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do a follow up on that in a couple months. <laughs> the green car. They, they were both at my fiftieth birthday party. Oh, okay. oh, so, oh, so you guys actually that still stay in that touch? I didn't sleep with either one of them. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what that means. Well right. played, sir. Well <laughs> played. Well played. Um, all right, guys. All right, all right man. Thanks a lot, Gavin. Really appreciate um, it. Bye. bye. Well, he couldn't get off the phone fast enough. Well, there. he. Had, I'm just know, kidding. Just guys kidding. Running a business. Just kidding. But it's just you forget that every once in a while you talk to somebody on a landline and it's so offensive when they hang up. Cause you oh, because it sounds... You, well, you don't hear that when people <laughs> hang up on... It just disappears yeah, yeah. on a cell phone. But when somebody <laughs> hangs up, there's either the I can't find the place to hang it up. There's the slam. Oh, that's true, man. You really can't... That is... that is. I guess that's probably hacky at this point. But like you can't... like Even with the flip phone, you know, you can't really hang up your phone like, and I'm out of here. Like, it's Just like silence. It's like always. It's like Mitch Hedberg saying he could, didn't like getting in fights in tents because you can't leave and slam the flap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh. yeah, no. It's. I think it's. It's. It's like it's like texting with someone. It's hard to read the context. Uh, yeah. with the with the hang up of a phone because it does. It sounds if you're not used to it, it sounds aggressive. Listen, my youngest son the other day, we um we were calling my parents. They both had their most recent birthdays, and they were and I had my youngest son call him, and he called, and somebody else was calling, and he got a busy signal, and he was like, "What is that noise?" Did not know and what I a busy forget, signal was. Like again, you know, I know it sounds hacky, but it's true. Like for kids, they don't know what the hell this is. 
Dude. They don't. The busy signal would like when you're trying to call somebody. <laughs> like I remember, like the beginning of high school, and I was like, I call somebody have a busy signal. I'll be like, finally get a hold of me. Hey, your fucking parents don't have call waiting. What are you a caveman? Like I would get so mad because like we didn't have call waiting for a long time. Emergency break-ins. And that then we was got the psycho friend. Oh, anybody you, that ever did emergency break-ins, they were like, because well, especially with they it should be clear because they weren't emergencies. Yeah, they they were never. It was like, and hey, where are you going to be on Friday? Somebody's teen sister was on the phone for seventeen and a half hours, so they wanted to talk to their friend, so they would pay for the emergency break-in, <laughs> and their operator would just come on and be like, "This is an emergency break-in. Here is a uh, person named Eric that would like to speak." <laughs> with Eric's got nothing even close to an emergency to discuss, <laughs> uh, but he wants to break into this. And uh, get his info out there. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you? You never had a party line, did you? We had yes. My parents, where my parents live now, which is now more of a community, but it used to be just lake houses and temporary stays. Everyone shared the same line, so you'd have to pick up like somebody across the lake again would be on the phone the whole time, oh and you would just God. pick up the phone and be like, listen. Hey, I got to make a call, Yes, yeah, listen. I'm not going to tell you who I am on the lake, but <laughs> Where I'm going to tell you. Where my cabin is. But, but you know what? Get the... Get off the phone. <laughs> Get off. Click. And then you'd pick it up a second. Damn it. I Are told you. still you. on here? Fuck. And then there was what you could do to be a dick was that you'd pick up the phone and you'd start rotary dialing. Dude. So while they were talking, it would be going. Yeah. And they'd be like, stop it. And you'd be like. And you can't hear because you're, you're holding the phone and <laughs> dialing. Dude, my. Uh, sorry, go ahead. We're good. We're good. I know, but I can't hear. I, oh, sorry. I knocked you out. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my dad would do that. My dad would pick up. The, I'd be on the phone in the other room, and he would pick up the phone and just start dialing. And we had a rotary phone for a while. He would just. I go, hey, I'm on the phone, and he zero or didn't nine, even miss a beat. He's like, well, get off. Like it wasn't even a, whatever I was talking about. He's like, I don't give a shit what you're talking about. It's pointless. Get off the phone. And then when we got the the touchstone, the touch tone, it was even. And then he would he would pick up and I go uh, yeah I'm on here. He's like what hello like no it's me I'm in the other room and uh, I'm on the phone. My parents I, I got I used the phone so much like I was always on the phone in high school and my mom got mad at the phone bill was like whatever fifty bucks one time or something and she was like uh, you need to keep a log of every phone call you make and she handed me a notebook and a pen <laughs> like that one's gonna and happen. I go okay and she left and I just I remember whipping it into the back of my closet and going that's never gonna happen and then like her finding the notebook the years later like oh I go yeah I never did that she's like yeah I guess I kind of forgot about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh there was a time there was a time at that time does not exist anymore I'm not quite sure the kids don't get the experience of yeah, party lines and just I'm gonna call China at my friend's house and get him give him a seventeen thousand oh, dollar phone God. bill Bart first Simpson. off but, but the funny thing about that was when people would say that, they didn't know how to call. They, again, you have to remember, this is pre-internet. So you couldn't Google how to call China. So you're just making it up. Or you, had to, you found out a friend who had a friend that knew somebody. Your parents called a friend that used to live in China for a second. And then you had to... You didn't you know the to, country code for sure. Yeah, you didn't know no, USA's no. country so code was that. one. Like, you didn't know any of that growing up. You were like, how do you even call long distance? And then they would be like, well, then screw it. Let's just call one of, the, one of those 1-900 party lines and just stay on there for like ever and mess with the people on there. And then, yeah. <laughs> I just remember those late night. You I, you would just turn on the like those late call, night commercials. Boy. Yeah, party line. Ooh, <laughs> we're, all, we're all gonna hang out and talk and party. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. There has to be. Like I don't know if it'd be a fetish or what, but there has to be people that still are into like calling phone sex lines. 
you know what I mean? Probably. Yeah. I mean, even though you can go on the internet and get all the pornography, you are you on a payphone right want. now? I am on a payphone. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm only on this oh payphone because uh, I don't have a landline at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sexy. Uh, I still remember when I watched a guy get in a fight with a payphone, and I was just like, I remember we're seeing cops. I was like, "There's a guy over there." And I think him and the payphone are not going to end well in this situation. It's freaking people out. And they're like, they just look on their face like, all right, we know that we're going about to a guy who's clearly having issues in his life or is is just crazy. Well, at this stage of the game, I mean, that maybe back in like 80s, early 90s, okay. But this stage of the game, if someone's on a payphone, that conversation is not a happy conversation. It is never, hey, ma, did you get the flowers? Yeah. I hope you have a great birthday. No, because ooh, maybe. maybe that, and then followed up with, Can where's I my just... fucking meth? And then, like, just <laughs> slamming the phone down, ripping it from the thing. Like, who stole my baby? Like, it's all just, like, insanity. Every payphone. It's always some dude with no shirt and a leather jacket, and it's a 1,000 degrees outside. Of course he's pissed because he had to walk 27 city blocks to find a phone that wasn't uh. ripped from the cord or dipped in AIDS. Uh, there's a pretty good chance he was not the best man that day. Also, I used to do that payphone thing as a bit. I didn't want you guys to think I was pawning it, it off. No, it's okay with that. There's some guilt coming out there. It's totally fine. Were you entertaining? You were entertaining. That's all that matters. <laughs> Your job is entertained sometimes. Sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes people don't want to be entertained. Yeah, I've, well, learned yeah, I've learned I mean, that. I've learned that. And they're called my children. Oh, they don't like to be entertained? Well, the older I have, I have a teenager now. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So there's. I'm getting 13? more... I'm getting more Stone Cold Steve Austin stares now. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, man, wow. that transition. Not in a bad way, but just kind of like whatever it was that you used to do that I thought was entertaining, not now as much anymore. Dork. <laughs> but I still hold it over them because they are entertained by some dumb-ass shit on YouTube. Oh, yeah, dude. People watching video games. No. People just talking and doing hack jokes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, no, no, no. <laughs> I really hope I'm better that, than I them. really hope that is like... Like how, as kids, we like dumb shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've I've gone back. I'm hoping that that comes. They grow out of that. Of course they will, dude. Come on, there are some things I'm sure that if you watch now, you'd be like, "What was I thinking? What was I?" Elliot's like 35, watching unboxing videos. Like, (laughs) my God, I love YouTube. Like, good lord, that's that's a weird fetish. But that's you know, Um, dude, it's a million dollar industry. Oh, I know, I know. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah, on a sad, depressing note about YouTube. Um... Guys, like again, go to mydeathcode.com, check out that. Uh, look for Josh Wolf's comedy special from Front Runner Entertainment uh, coming out on joshwolf.com. Uh oh. What? It's going to do, uh, I can tell you something. Yeah. But it's going to date the show. That's fine. Burt Reynolds passed away today. Oh, yeah. man. Talk about bringing it down to a. Wow, Burt Reynolds. Burt. Oh, wow. We should probably. Adam, um, his name? Adam Rifkin uh, did, I remember he was working on a movie, a director's cut. It was a, uh, um, a crowdfunded movie uh, at, uh, at the Herald Examiner, one of my, my, one of my a couple final movies there. Um, and uh, I remember we were sitting outside talking, and he, was, he, he got a text, and he's like, I'm really excited. I just you know, sealed the deal. I'm going to direct Burt Reynolds in this movie that I wrote. And I actually watched the movie just recently. He, I can't. The name of it is going to escape me right now because obviously this is all happening in real time. But um, and you know the internet. Why would I Google it? 
The uh, um, but I watched the movie. It's on. You can you can see it on Amazon Prime. Um, it's actually not that bad. It's about an aging actor. It's the last movie star. Yeah, last movie star. Thank have, you very much. You're, yeah. Oh, you're, I watched it. Oh, I'm about to watch it. Yeah. Actually, I have it on my yeah. Queue. So that was the movie that Adam was talking about oh, when he great. went down and 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 made it. And uh, it was actually a pretty interesting. Uh, it was actually a pretty interesting film. Look, Burt Reynolds was a great actor. Uh, his, yeah, he just. His, I don't know off, what happened towards his, the end, but you know. Well, right around when Boogie Nights came out, like. He would do this shit. He would go on talk shows and he would just bash the movie. Like, I don't know. Some I'm piece saying, of I don't know shit. what happened like, in his life that, that got, he got. He, there was there was there was an ornery side to him that a lot of people that I know that have had an opportunity to work with him have talked about. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, for our youth, man. Dude. I mean, you couldn't get more famous than that. Dude, you couldn't Burt get bigger Reynolds than that. And Lonnie Anderson, dude. First of all, if we're talking about Burt Reynolds, a very underrated movie and one of my favorite Burt Reynolds movies, Stroker Ace. Yeah. Dude, about a NASCAR driver, Ned Beatty, Lonnie Anderson, Burt Reynolds. It is a fantastic fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, of course, I everybody's, everybody's going to talk about, you know, um, you know, uh, the, the Cannonball Run, Cannonball well, Run, Machine. Uh, no, no, I was trying to think of the other ones uh, where he was uh, the guy in the car escaping everybody. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, everybody's going to talk about Smokey and the Bandit stuff, but Cannonball Run. I used to love those Cannonball Run movies because, again, speaking of all the old movie stars and the cameos, yes, and all that kind it was of stuff, so random. Those kinds of stuff. I mean, that's you know that that to me was Burt Reynolds, and also a lot of people. Probably don't know this, but you know, you know, he was one of the the time that he became successful on television. Uh, he had that successful television show for uh, uh, that sitcom, Evening Shade. That was not typical. You did no. not typically become a movie star and then have success on television. So, you know, I mean, for all the other stuff that people can and you know have every right to say about him, as far as like off camera, I mean, the guy had a pretty stellar. Yeah, I mean, his career to me is is. He's he was a working actor for yeah. a very very long time, and obviously you know he wasn't that that old, which means obviously he probably had some health problems over the last oh, couple 82, of years. Uh, but know. again, but in, in modern you know these days, I guess that's, yeah, you know I just think I you know eighty two you you got a guy who's probably smoked and drank more than yeah. he should have, and you know might not have been the best shape anyway and health wise and whatever. But I mean honestly, he does he delivers a even if he thought Boogie Nights was shit, his performance in it is awesome. Yeah, like, that's a great movie. It's I a don't, great you know, movie. It sucks that he didn't enjoy it, but Well, you know. I think he was worried that it was going to be I think he was trying to get ahead of criticism. He thought somehow or another because of the business that he was promoting, like because it was about pornography right. and that it might be frowned upon or whatever, but he, like he kind of missed the point of it, right? Like, yeah, that was the But thing, I mean, maybe. he but that character is a real great. dude like great. who the guy who had to start going VHS and was like, "We shoot on film." It's like, "Dude, you're making pornos now." It's VHS, bro. No one's doing film in porno. It's like too expensive. It's yeah. Like, but he was like that character saw that change, you know? It was very very interesting movie. And and well done as shit. Don Cheadle's awesome in it like I don't know, but yeah, if you've never seen Stroker Ace, I'm gonna actually go home and try to find that movie today because I love that. I got movie. it on DVD. If you want me to borrow, if you want me to borrow, <laughs> if you want me to burr it to you. If you want me to burr it? I'm gonna burr uh, it to you. But yeah, so rest in peace, uh, Burt Reynolds. Uh, uh, thank you for entertaining us all. Yeah, years. man. And uh, uh, actually, if you go to the Safe House in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, in, inside the women's restroom. Is that famous picture yeah. of Burt Reynolds laid out <laughs> naked with a? With a flower that looks like it's removable over his privates. Yeah. And if you if you're a woman and you go in there and you try to remove the flower to see his dick, 
it the, uh, a light goes on on the outside of the bathroom, so everyone in the bar knows that you were in there trying to see Burt Reynolds' dick. <laughs> oh and that makes me laugh and every so, time I think and, about and it. And speaking of the safe house, by the way, it was one of the first places I ever did stand-up comedy. Nice. And second of all, if you ever, ever go to Milwaukee, go to the safe house. Okay. It is one of the... It is so much fun. Go to the safe place. house, go to Axel's, and go to McBob's Tacos if it's still there. <laughs> Get yourself some butter burgers. And don't make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> Milwaukee's very dangerous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. R.I.P. Burt Reynolds. Uh, We'll probably have more on that later. And uh, I don't know, man. Send us an email. We'll read it on the air. Oh, will we? Yeah. Send us an email. If you got anything to say, criticism, guests you want to hear, pictures you want to send, requests that you want to hear Brian sing, let us know. And we'll make that happen. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Gavin Boyd, for uh, letting us uh, do a phoner. Yeah. All right. Thanks for landlining us, Gavin. Thanks for landlining us, gay. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>